Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Other Identity. I, of course, am your host, Robbie Landis, known as The Great Landis, to all of our adoring fans out there. And along with me, as always, is Professor Awesome, Ben Morris. Ben, how's it going, man? It's going good. I don't compliment you enough, well, in general, but I don't compliment (laughs) you enough uh, on how robust your welcome, the way you ramp up that welcome when we when we come into the show. It's very impressive, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly envious of it. Oh, well, I'm glad that you like it. And uh, yeah. welcome in, everyone, as always. Uh, we are now, I believe, this is week 12 of Good the Lord. quarantine. Uh, no. I know <laughs> I know that it's lifting in places here and there, but uh, yeah. I don't know about you, uh, you know, everyone else out there, but I'm definitely, you know, taking the extra precaution and definitely staying in as long as I can yep. just to be on the safe side. Yeah, basically, like, gyms are reopening in, in uh, Las Vegas this week, and I have said, you know what, all you guys, you go out, you test those gyms for me, and if in three weeks we don't have a huge spike in coronavirus cases, maybe I'll go work out at the gym. Until then, I'm just doing it at home, oh. even if that means i got to do push-ups with my daughter on my back or whatever. You know, I, I saw a tweet that is, is, is terrible, but, but I also couldn't help but laugh a little bit because I'm a bad person. Uh, that uh, recalled <laughs> thank you that recalled the scene in one of the x men movies where Magneto sends all of the you know nameless mutants in uh, you know to, to to fight and die and pyro is about to run in with them and you know Magneto stops him and says that, you know in chess you send the pawns in to die yeah. first right yes yeah. that is my so. strategy for surviving the <laughs> pandemic um, is to let the people who are just chomping at the bit to get back to the restaurants and the bars like you guys go test it out I'll be chilling back here with pyro and uh, we'll we'll figure things out all right all right so the first thing uh, that we're gonna do or, or that we were gonna do and uh, mm-hmm. I just brought up the um, the website here over at checkpointxp.com to check the final results it actually doesn't say who the final results is because with mm. uh, with the previous rounds whoever won would just advance to the next round so i actually right. think that i have to get a hold of chad here and have him look at who won for us so we'll have that for you a little bit later in the show um so uh while we're waiting on that um we are still doing uh the black in blackest nights read um, I've actually finished. Uh, yeah, ben. you're Where done. about are you uh, in that process? I mean, I know in the past oh, you've read through Blackest Nights. Yeah, I am. Look, there's like, what, 80 issues of this series to get through? And I've yeah. been doing it probably for about two weeks. And as you know, one issue a day more so over here. Uh, I got a lot of different I got a lot of different rereads going on because I got this reread. I'm doing the Rebirth. Uh, I'm doing Teen Titans. Uh, for another little side project, I got my two Marvel books a day. I'm watching Gargoyles now because I finished X-Men the Animated Series, which is my long-winded way of saying I am up through about issue three of Blackest Night proper, and I've read a bunch of tie-ins. Um, I read the first issue of the Superman tie-in, first issue of the Batman tie-in, first issue of the Titans tie-in, and a couple Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps issues. And I am blown away, again, by how much I love this story. And I love not just this story, but this era of DC storytelling. Um, the characters are just so dynamic, and I love the mashup of horror versus superheroes. Uh, it's not just a straight zombie story. It's a zombie story that clearly takes place in the DC universe. And it's so great. So much great art. So many wonderful characters. And uh, we're going to talk more about DC today. But I'll I'll go to the ends of the earth saying that <laughs> these incarnations of the DC, you, you know me, man. I, I'm not a New 52 guy. 
Rebirth has started to put things back in the right direction for me, but I really, and you know, because I, and I watched Justice League War, the animated series, this, uh, or the animated movie just yesterday. And I'm just like, what they tried to do with the new 52 did so much damage to DC and re in my mind, in my mind. And, uh, and, and I do think they're repairing it with Rebirth and there were some good stories in new 52, but reading something like Blackest Night where, you have these years of continuity, heroes acting like heroes, not everyone fighting all the time. It's just very refreshing to me. You know, I, I actually wish that I would have uh, kept a few notes because when, when reading through Black Knights, maybe if I tell you this now, it's something that you can kind of keep an eye out for and kind of, you know, Please. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, ding me on Twitter if, if you tend to notice this as well. But yeah. I was picking up a lot of Crisis on Infinite Earth vibes from Blackest Nights. Like, there were, there were a few times where I'm like, wow, that, that feels... Like it was a uh, a beat pulled right out of crisis. Have well, you, I think you maybe came across any of that yourself, or or, or kind of you know made that connection? Nothing specific, but the guys who are like the architects of this story, principally Jeff Johns and also Peter Tomasi, who's writing Green Lantern Course, 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 um, <laughs> they are they're both guys who grew up on crisis, so that makes right. sense. I was thinking a lot the other day about how. The different comics we get is based a lot. I was thinking about this when we were talking to Kelly Thompson last week. She grew up on 90s X-Men. So you see her writing a Rogue and Gambit series that is very faithful to what she followed as a kid. And I think that forms a lot of what people do. So you, you saw in the 80s a lot of creators writing love letters to the Silver Age, to the 60s and 70s, and then once you get to Blackest Night era, to the last 20 years, I think it's a lot of people who grew up on 80s and 90s comics. So, Crisis being one of the formative stories of the 1980s, it makes sense, and Jeff Johns is a guy who literally wrote the sequel to Crisis with Infinite Crisis, so him paying homage to that style of storytelling makes a lot of sense. I haven't noticed the specific beats yet, but now that you've told me to be on the lookout for him, I will, as you suggested, tag you on Twitter when I see that happen. Yeah, and, and I mean, uh, somewhere in the future, too, we're actually going to have, uh, you know, a discussion, I think, about... Far, far in the future. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Years from now. But... We'll all, be, we'll all be back. The states will be open, and we'll, uh, we'll bring it right back down with the zombies. Specifically, though, I, I feel like I, I remember there being a, a moment that, I, that, that reminded me of, you know, when all the heroes were coming together to try and destroy the three uh, or, or however many pillars that, mm-hmm. that there were. Uh, and then there was a, a, another point that reminded me of, uh, you know, Supergirl's sacrifice. But, but yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to, to, you know, for you to kind of keep your eyes on that as you're reading through it. Yeah. Again, I think Jeff Johns's role model for writing event books is probably Crisis. And I think, honestly, if you're writing a DC event book, that sweet spot is paying homage to Crisis in some way because it was the original. But also making sure you're not writing a 1985 story in 2010. Um, and, and Jeff Johns is particularly good at that. All right, cool. Well, you know, one of the other things that I wanted to do last week and that I actually did do last week, but then, you know, had forgot to hit record uh, <laughs> and then forgot to do it when we came to the second one was uh, I actually wanted to give a big shout out to uh, one of our supporters and biggest fans over on Twitter. And that is Jason, uh, both him and his local comic book shop in Hawaii, Dragon's Lair Comics. Uh, Jason is a big proponent of ours, is always there on Twitter, helping to spread the word and just giving us all types of love that I don't know that we completely deserve. So, Jason, thank you for that. We really appreciate you, man. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I had mentioned that we would do and then forgot to do, and, uh, you know, Ben being uh, the ever-vigilant 
<laughs> partner that he is brought it up. We right. said that we were going to read some of, you, some of you guys as our fans, our listeners, uh, explain a comic book badlies uh, from Twitter if they responded. We actually did get a really, really good response. So uh, you and I both picked out three of our favorites. I want to take a minute to go ahead and read those really quick. Uh, do you want to go ahead and start, Ben? Sure. I will start out with uh, my friend Jason Ayers, who's at Jason Ayers WWE. He's actually the senior official on WWE SmackDown, the head head referee. Uh, sent us a lot of good suggestions. Big comics fan. And the one I picked out to read was retirement age crypto cryotherapy patient spends his golden years in public service. And because uh, I've seen this already and made a few wrong guesses, uh, the right yeah. answer to that is Captain America. It's Captain America. And uh, what, a, what a brilliant way to describe the, uh, the, the basic premise behind Captain America. <laughs> Uh, I grabbed one from Your Pop Filter, who says, Two best friends start arguing and make all of their friends choose sides. Some die, everyone forgets it quickly. Now, this can actually be quite a few, and I don't think they actually said what the answer itself was. I uh, immediately went to Civil War. That was my guess. That was my guess as well. But yes, this this does describe quite a lot of comics. Could also be X-Men as well, though. Oh, absolutely. This is, you know, the two best friends getting in fights and... uh, making everyone go on one side or the other everyone dies and of course it's comic so everyone forgets it quickly I want to go to a uh, past guest of the show Arun our buddy who says and I love this one rich man refuses to make friends his own age but instead recruits attractive teens to dress up and do <laughs> violence to criminals without consequence and then there's the kicker he has as his butler handle the details. Now, you know, that last part there is actually the key because without That's what that, helped this could have also been uh, Professor Xavier. Yeah. I, you know what? There's there's a rash of uh, rich men who don't make friends with other people but <laughs> recruit youngsters to do their dirty work in comics. It's probably something we should look into. Yep. Uh, another one that I liked at uh, Ed O'Quinn says, People do horrible things to each other because it's Tuesday. Walking corpses are also a minor annoyance, which I like this one because I don't think, at least, that this one was a DC or Marvel property. Uh, My mind goes to The Walking Dead for this one. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Um, People doing horrible things to each other is a staple of The Walking Dead, uh, which makes it the feel-good story of, you know, any year. Um, And the fact that the walking corpses are just kind of in the background totally fits. All right, my last one comes from Rob Schamberger, who says, When a fragile man gets triggered, he becomes a monster on the outside because he's never addressed the pain from the monsters who hurt the child inside him. I thought that was particularly eloquent. Uh, the other ones were pretty funny. I thought that one was uh, that one was nicely stated, so I, I wanted to finish off with that. That's the Hulk, right? It, that is the Hulk. That's oh. got to be the Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> that is the Hulk, but um, well stated, Rob Schamberger. Yeah. And then the last one that I picked out uh, was also from Jason Ayers, who had a ton of great yeah, ones. He really was he, a master when it came he's to He's the master of this, yeah. yeah. Uh, short one, Elon Musk designs the Tesla pacemaker. Brilliant. Brilliant. And I that agree. is, of course, <laughs> That's right. Uh, so uh, I did get back the, uh, the, the final vote. Um, would you like to take a guess as to who ended up winning our Marvel villains bracket well i'm trying here's what i'm doing here's the detective work i'm doing is i'm trying to detect from your vocal clues uh how excited you are about the results Uh and you seem restrained enough and i do think you have a bad enough poker face uh that i believe because you're not doing cartwheels 
that I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think Magneto won. Well, see, the thing you would forget, and you interviewed me about this before, is that I went to college for acting, so oh, you are no. wrong. Ultron oh. took the prize! Oh. Not only did Ultron take the prize, but you got one over on me by fooling me. So, ah, wow. that's right. So Gotta Ultron, feel good. Gotta feel wow. Good. Yeah, Ultron won. Who would have thought Ultron Marvel would take record. this? That's insane, man. I know. What an upset. What an upset. Who did, Ul- who did Ultron take out on his path to victory? He took out, this week he took out Magneto. Last yep. week he took out... He took Thanos. out Thanos. Who did he get in the first round? Uh, hold on, I'm gonna bring it up here right now, just so I can make sure that that, uh, that I got this right. So in the first round, he won against uh, Apocalypse. Oh jeez! Apocalypse, Venom, Thanos, and Magneto, all defeated by Ultron. That's quite a resume to get to the end. Well, look, Ultron is a tremendous villain. I think he's been underutilized, underserved. Personally, I think the best. Ultron stories are left are, are yet to come, but I do think uh, he's certainly worthy of, of our crown. I agree. I definitely agree. Well, guys, uh, this uh, this first segment here went a little bit longer than usual, but stick with us because when we come back, we're going to go ahead and dip into the news bag. Hey, what's up? It's James. And Robbie. Hey, and it's Weird Beard. And we're bringing you a brand new radio show called Checkpoint XP. You don't have to be an expert, even though I am. And we're here to give you everything you need to know about the world of video games. Interviews from the biggest professionals and your everyday gamers, we've got you covered at Checkpoint XP. Whether you're a professional player or somebody who hasn't played in a while, we have something for everybody. Hang out with us at Checkpoint XP every single week on your radio. Find out where we're playing in your hometown at our website, CheckpointXP.com. So if you're looking to have some fun and talk about video games, we got the rundowns for things that matter to you. Checkpoint XP. Your home for esports and gaming. Got it that time. Yes. (laughs) Nailed it. Hey, what's up? I'm Robbie from Checkpoint XP. And I'm Jake from the Overwatch League casting team. And together, we're your hosts of the Owl's Nest. With the Overwatch League up and running again, we'll be bringing you all the latest from the league and within Overwatch. But it's important that we all do our part to flatten the curve by staying home during the COVID-19 outbreak. So stay home. Stay healthy. And we'll see you every Friday night on the Owl's Nest before the Overwatch League weekend. Check it out at the Checkpoint XP YouTube channel or at CheckpointXP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to The Other Identity. If you haven't already, make sure that you're following us on social media. That is Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Robbie underscore Landis CP and Ben J-M-O-R-S-E. We are always having all types of discussions on there, whether it's about our current read-through of the DC Rebirth uh, continuity or maybe it's some big news that just came out, uh, such as the Snyder Cut being released, which is actually... What we're going to talk about here coming up in the third segment, but there are a few other headlines that have came out over the past month or so that we wanted to touch on. So again, as always, make sure you're following us over on social media so that you can interact with us. And you never know, we might make it part of the show. So dipping into the news bag here, which is what it's called until you come up with something better, Ben. Uh, Justice League Dark. Uh, Apocalypse War was uh, just recently released uh, a few weeks ago. Um, last movie in the animated universe. Now, uh, I thought that this was interesting for a few reasons. Um, first of all, I actually wasn't even 
aware that there was a, a, a continuity with some of the animated movies because all of them are so well-rounded that, that, that they stand on their own so well and don't usually do a lot of callbacks. Uh, having watched uh, Apocalypse War, first of all, what a dark movie. Um, but uh, I can definitely see how this one does wrap up the universe, but also has some of its own callbacks as well. But Ben, what do you think about this idea of, of the animated universe now having been, quote unquote, wrapped up? So I started watching the DC animated movies uh, because I knew we wanted to discuss not only this story, but a lot more going forward. And it's been a bit of a mixed bag for me so far. I've watched the first couple. And again, I'm not to beat a dead horse into the ground, but this new 52 characterization kind of drives me nuts. The idea that Superman has to be headstrong and arrogant. Uh, the fact that, you know, Hal Jordan has to curse all the time. It's just, it's not... <laughs> that Hal Jordan has to be Hal Jordan. No, he, no. It's, I, I'm trying to give Hal Jordan a chance in this, but specifically there, there are things I don't like. I noticed that I really love Wonder Woman. Um, that seems to be a consistent thing. As far as bringing it to an end, I mean, what? It's been... The first one I watched, uh, uh, The Flashpoint Paradox, came out back in around 2013 or so. Yeah, so I think it's been about seven-ish years. Seven or eight years, it's a good run. I like the idea of doing an open and close on a finite series of stories, so I'm not opposed to this. Um, it's. I'm wondering, though, if it's going to be like a true end, or an end in the way like Avengers Endgame was kind of the wrap of the first epic of well, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Obviously, as you said, we will have a, 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 an episode dedicated specifically to yeah. the animated universe at some point. But having watched it, they do pretty much like end, Close the end door. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think what, what my hope for it is, is that, you know, the DC animated universe or DC animated movies have always been really good. And to me, if DC wants to in some way try and replicate Marvel's success with their cinematic universe, but they don't want to take the time to do it. Now that they've ended the cinematic universe, I, or, or sorry, their animated universe, I'd like to see them restart it with that in mind. Because, yeah. you know, they released, what, 12, 13 movies in seven years that were all really good. So I think the animated route is the way to go if you feel like you want to try and catch up without spending as much time developing. DC to me has always been better than Marvel at animation. Um, as much as I love X-Men, the animated series, I think quality wise, Batman was probably a step above it. And then when you have the Bruce Tim justice league series coming out in the late nineties, early two thousands, those blew it out of the water. Uh, Marvel has never done any sort of animated movies that compare to the ones DC has put out. So yeah, I'm with you. If they want to start from scratch and make a concerted effort to say, all right, this is day one, we're introducing all the characters and we're going to build to a larger thing. Because that was the only thing I'll say about the uh, re revisiting these early DC ones is that Justice League War, which is, I think, technically the first movie in this DC animated universe, we get a meeting right away. And I would have loved to have seen individual Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, and Green Lantern movies that build them up so that first Justice League movie is a big deal, which, Agreed. spoiler, we'll talk more about later. We definitely will. So reaching deeper into the news bag here, James Gunn says that someone will die in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Who's your vote on? Who do I want to see die or who do I think will die? <laughs> you know what? Both. There's nobody I want to see die. I love all the Guardians of the Galaxy then why characters. Would, then why would you offer that as one of the options? Because I'll still make the pick, Robbie. I make hard choices when it needs okay. to be done. That's what, right. that's what makes me the leader of this team. Oh, um, wow. But 
Who would I want to see die? Well, I think that um, if they hadn't killed off Yondu in the last one, I would have suggested he's a really good character to kill off. I can't see them. I can't see them killing off any of the core guardians. I really just can't because I feel like Gamora. You've already killed off. <sighs> you know what? If it's going to be anyone, it's probably going to be Drax, which is heartbreaking to me because I love Drax. He's probably my favorite character literally in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I would say the one I would go with is Nebula has had kind of had her story told at this point. I think a big sacrifice play from Nebula to kind of prove her her rehabilitation. Um, she had that turn in Avengers and she's got to do all this stuff. So I fear that it's going to be Drax. I'm kind of hoping that it's going to be Nebula. In a perfect world, it'll be, I don't know, uh, someone, it'll be Hal Jordan. <laughs> uh, for my side of it, uh, I do think Drax would be a good choice, especially if some of the rumors are true that um, his daughter somehow makes a reappearance as... Hmm. As Moondragon? As Moondragon, yes. Uh, I think that could be, you know, very, very uh, heart-wrenching and emotional. Uh, but we also know that it's going to be more of Rocket's story here, you know, exploring hmm. his origins. And I think that maybe sort of following and completing his growth, because... Well, Nebula has had a big turn, I think that she still has room to grow, right? She's gone sure. from evil to good, and now she has more to explore what it is to be a good guy. Whereas right. Rocket, I think, after all the stuff he's gone through and realized with Yondu, I think that to complete his arc, he makes a similar sacrifice. So my vote goes to Rocket. I don't hate it. Uh, poo, there's been a lot of Batwoman stuff. So yeah. uh, Ruby Rose... <laughs> Ruby Rose has left, has left the role of, of Batwoman. She hasn't given any clear indication as to why. Uh, right. some, some of the speculation was that it might be injury-related. Uh, you know, she did, I think, some of her own stunts. and uh, I looked into it. Injuries, I, but I, yeah, but, I, looked in, I looked into it a little bit yesterday. Now the current kind of rumor du jour is that she just didn't like the long hours of being the lead on the show. Mm, yeah, because um, she did so there was some she, sort of she say that the, the, um, the injuries weren't part of it. Yeah, so, yeah, she's denied that. I, I had wondered, because prior to this, unlike everyone else sort of in the CW universe, is that she actually came from doing, like, bigger budget movies. I know a lot of them sure. might have been more, you know, B stuff, like the Resident Evil things, but she was also in the most recent John Wick. And mm -hmm. doing TV is definitely a lot different to that, and usually cuts you off from being able to do stuff like that. So if that's the reason why... I wouldn't be that surprised. Uh, it does still suck because I think that you get the best performances out of people that are really passionate about the character and the roles themselves. She was, she was a dream come true being cast. Right. But there may be a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so they are going to recast her. And uh, Stephanie Beatriz, who plays Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, has uh, shown interest on Twitter in playing the role. Also saying it would be a dream come true. And in the past has also said that she would love to play She-Hulk. I love the idea of Stephanie Beatrice stepping in as uh, Batwoman. I am a big fan of hers, not only on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I've seen her do guest spots on shows like Modern Family. She actually has a lot of range. Um, and she she's... I've seen her co-host like reality shows and stuff where she's just herself. And she's so different from Diaz that <laughs> it's, it's kind of remarkable, uh, even her voice. And if she's a fan of the character and she could bring a little bit of comedy, um, real dynamism... I would love to see this recasting. I, I'm not. Um, I, I wasn't campaigning to get Ruby Rose removed, but I was never super attached to her. 
So if they recast this, if they're recasting, I'm glad they're doing it this early on. I think if we had gotten like three seasons of Ruby Rose, then it would be hard to see anyone else as Batwoman. I think this is early enough that there's still a chance to kind of pivot. Um, Hopefully they'll keep all the same creative forces so they can make the transition as easy as possible. All right, so uh, finally, uh, we have received word that Henry Cavill officially Mm. will be returning as Superman for future DC movies. Now, I don't know that we had ever actually got, like, an official, he's out! I know that there was some rumors (laughs) for a while. Right. uh, But he did appear on a recent uh, stream with uh, Zack Snyder for a uh, sort of uh, a Twitter watch party for Justice League. And uh, you know that was sort of the uh, the first uh, signs that that he would be coming back, and uh, and he is. Um, any thoughts on Cavill as Superman? I like this because I think Henry Cavill is a good Superman waiting to happen. It just hasn't happened yet, and I don't think that's any well, not any, but I don't think that's mostly fault of his own. I think well written, well directed, the right part. This guy looks like Superman. He's got the gravitas to be Superman. I think he's just had the misfortune of. And look, I know people who love Man of Steel. Um, I know one person we're going to talk to in a little bit who even has some fondness for Batman v Superman, but. For the most part, people have been displeased with the movies Henry Cavill has been Superman in. I think that given the opportunity to work with quality material, this guy has the chops to get it done. So I'm thrilled that DC is not just taking the approach of scorch the earth, get rid of everything, and let's start completely over. They recognize that they have a skilled actor on their hands, and they're going to try to give him the opportunity to shine. I would have to agree with that, uh, especially after you know what he's recently done uh, with The Witcher, and I've been doing right. in just about everything else mm-hmm. that I've seen. So, uh, yeah, I, I've come to the point where at one point I did think that maybe he just wasn't you know the guy to be Superman. Uh, I do think that it's more uh, the fault of the material and whatever direction he was being given. So uh, that's yeah. going to wrap up everything for the news bag, guys. Stay tuned because the biggest headline, and that is that HBO Max will uh, be releasing finally or creating the Snyder Cut. (laughs) We're going to talk about that here in just a little while, so don't go anywhere. Students are playing more video games than ever, and that's not a bad thing anymore. With Checkpoint XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college, esports, and gaming. We talk to personalities in the space like Phasix, who retired from the Overwatch League to join a college team. Or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships. And we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP on campus. back ladies and gentlemen to the other identity thanks for sticking along with us this long so the other big piece of news that we did discuss the last segment because it deserves its own segment is that hbo uh max and dc warner brothers have announced that the snyder cut would be released through hbo max but there's uh, a little bit of caveats here because apparently the snyder cut isn't actually done and hbo has said that it will probably take upwards of 30 million dollars to complete it. Uh, Zack Snyder has also came out and said that uh, the original Justice League movie has actually only used about a quarter of the footage that he actually filmed, and some of that footage 
includes Darkseid. Now, here to help us uh, sort of talk about this, break this down, you know, just kind of mull around this topic, is uh, actually uh, the newest addition to what I am calling the Other Identity League of America, the OLA. I would like to welcome to the show Kevin Kelly, a.k.a. The Opinion. Kevin... Welcome to the show. I uh, the the big reveal for the uh, for for my superhero name that was uh yeah I like it I don't I don't hate it. You're our version of the question. <laughs> <laughs> I think good. we need to yeah we need to get him the the faceless feature mask. Yeah. So so uh, Kevin, uh, you'll obviously you know be joining us uh, here on occasion on the show when we think you yes. uh, have something to bring to it. But uh, the other big thing that you're doing is you're actually going to be running some companion pieces for each episode each week that will be featured over at checkpointxp.com. Yes, so since we're talking about the Snyder Cut today, I will be kind of writing up a kind of like everything you need to know about what the Snyder Cut actually is and what to uh, kind of expect and, you know, kind of things that were that are going to look to be altered and, and the differences between, you know, Joss Whedon's ultimate, you know, version of the, of the film that ended up coming out in 2017 and, uh, you know, where, where Zack Snyder may go. You know, as far and, as new uh, directions. If you're listening to this episode, then his first article about uh, sort of where to start uh, on some of Kelly Thompson's uh, most recent works can be found, again, over at our website, CheckpointXP.com. So go and check that out. But first, yes, let's talk about the Snyder Cut uh, because, you know, this is something that uh, obviously people have been wanting to see since the original movie came out and bombed. Uh, the Snyder fanboys out there are of the opinion that <laughs> it was Joss Whedon that ruined that movie. And if Zack Snyder would have had his perfect vision, that it would have been great. And the first thing... Because God knows Joss Whedon doesn't know how to direct a, uh, a superhero <laughs> movie. So he right, certainly yeah. so, would have started you know, the, the, the ground. I think the first thing... He only thing, did two of them. <laughs> yeah. That grossed a billion dollars each. The first yeah. part of this that, that I think I have the problem with is, you know, we've been campaigning or they've been campaigning for release the Snyder Cut this whole time as though it's something that existed. And now <laughs> we're learning that, oh, no, it doesn't exist and it's going to need $30 million to finish it. But uh, I think the bigger thing here is that uh, in, in, in Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is your, you know, one of your big takeaways is that Warner Brothers caving into this sets a pretty yes. dark precedent, uh, you know, for just the industry going forward. First of all, before I start, I feel like Ben kind of characterized me as having a fondness for Batman v Superman. I do not have a fondness <laughs> for Batman v Superman. You I wrote get an essay on it. I did you write an essay, an essay on, it, on it, but okay. there, there's we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But um, I do think this does set a bad precedent as far as Warner Brothers kind of just. I said that you know it's kind of a slippery slope as far as it could lead to. You know, ultimately taking the the power and the and the creative influence out of the hands of people like talented people who are hired to make these films, it kind of seems like the uh, the next level up of like the uh, the Sonic movie controversy. How a studio was willing to bend to the will of you know maybe not even a popular opinion. In this case of the Sonic movie, it was a popular opinion, but it this seems out. like more of a uh, a vocal minority. Well, you know, it, 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 it's interesting too because I don't even necessarily think that. That the idea that it, that you could bend to a vocal minority, right? Because I think that we already see what you're talking about in a lot of other popular media, right? Uh, Game of Thrones, you know, was another one where people were so upset about it, they petitioned for a redo of the last season, which thankfully they didn't get. But you also see a lot of it in the most recent trilogy for Star Wars, which... I am a Star Wars... I was about to say, I am a Star Wars fan. Yep. I have quite the familiarity with this kind of... Uh... This kind of discourse. Which I think that's probably the best example of how it can ruin it. Because I feel like for each of those films, they were listening to a different vocal 
minority. Right. Nobody was happy with any of it, and so now what you ended up getting was what should have been the swan song for the original trilogy. You now have three movies that have completely different visions that ping pong back and forth between one another. My my whole thing about the the Snyder cut, like it's just completely aside. It just seems so reactionary, firstly. But com- like my my own personal feelings on the final cut of Justice League aside, and my feelings on Zack Snyder aside, I'm not really sure what this is going to accomplish. Um, ben Affleck's not coming back. He's not gonna he's not gonna reprise the role as Batman. He's already been replaced. Kent Henry Cavill apparently is coming back. But is this like is the goal of this to revitalize the DCEU? Like, what point is it is is being proven here? What what statement is being made? <laughs> the fact that it's coming out on HBO Max, it's that they want viewers. So yeah, here's the thing. It's like uh, this feels like something you should have had available at launch because, like, part of the greater conversation around HBO Max, their their selection at launch is not very enticing, and so this seems like kind of one of the perfect things. It like, it could have been it could have been their Mandalorian kind of you know akin to the launch of disney plus but that doesn't really have anything that like you have to go there to be like this is a, a developing thing that's happening and you have to be it's on hbo max to be able to witness it mm-hmm. i think the larger problem here i mean the larger problems are many but the larger problem for me here and i will say full disclosure i have not seen justice league the 2017 version lucky and you he- And even when Robbie said to me yesterday during our prep call, hey, do you want to watch Justice League, the 2017 version? (laughs) I said, I said, that will not be happening. (laughs) Um, So I have not seen it. But as someone who has observed trends for years in the comic book industry, the problem with Justice League, the biggest problem was that it was a movie about characters coming together in the same way that Avengers was. And we were supposed to be excited to see them all sharing the screen. We weren't. Because they weren't built up prior to the Justice League movie. You know, having just rewatched this, honestly, an hour before we started this recording, that is the biggest issue. There is a great, amazing scene, uh, or what could have been, between Bruce and Diana where they're arguing about whether or not they should use the mother box to try and bring Superman back. And it falls flat because, first of all, Diana, you spent one battle with Superman, didn't even utter a word. You don't know him. Bruce, you tried to kill him because you thought he was a danger to society. Now you want to bring him back with tech you Mm -hmm. don't understand? Imagine if that same conversation was happening now in the Marvel Universe between Nick Fury and Captain Rogers over whether or not to bring Tony back. That is a scene that I want to see. The reason Avengers and the Marvel Cinematic Universe worked was because it was earned, right? We had to wait several years before we got there. So my larger point here is, and speaking to what Kevin said, releasing or creating or finishing the Snyder Cut does not solve that fundamental problem. It doesn't go back and make us care about these characters. We don't get a true doer. So that's why I'm not sure. I think, Kevin, you said it best. Like, if if the goal here is long-term reestablishment of some sort of DC extended universe... Going back to the well with a movie that didn't work is not going to get us there, right? I don't, I don't know if we have to start over. I don't know if we have to utilize the fact that DC's good with stuff like Crisis and maybe you can take elements and bring them forward. But I just don't see, I don't see creatively what the end goal is here. Financially, I absolutely see what the goal is. Get people to watch HBO Max and mobilize this part of the fandom. But 
creatively, it just seems like such a misstep. Well, I think that's your answer right there then, because creatively, I don't think DC has ever really understood where they're going or what it is they're doing. They just want to create something that makes money. It's a fair point. I, I, this kind of like this this loops into like now because I, I wanted to keep my kind of personal feelings for the film and Zack Snyder aside, but now it's like to when you look at like how how did how do we think this actually is going to turn out? It's like I still don't have faith in in Zack Snyder because like there's still this out like there's still a lot of like the the bad blood that carries over from Batman versus Superman because I don't think personally I don't feel like Zack Snyder has a good enough grip on what makes like what the fundamentals of a lot of these characters that he's been, you know, the custodian, like he was kind of granted the, to be the custodian of for, you know, the, the foundations of the DCEU. Like you, it doesn't sound like, I don't understand how he's supposed to fix all of this stuff. Like I, you, you fumbled Batman versus Superman that I don't, how that wasn't the most successful movie of all time. It's Batman and it's Superman <laughs> fighting each other. Yeah, uh, how do you, you fumble that? You you definitely bring up good points, but again, I don't think that this is. I don't think that Warner Brothers has any plans here. I think that this is definitely about HBO trying to bring viewers in and trying to make money there. Because you're right. Originally, he was the custodian, but it doesn't make sense bringing him back now because they've started to find success in using you know brighter movies, Wonder Woman, Shazam. Aquaman even, right? So I think that DC has already figured out that they have to move away from what the original vision of Snyder, you know, what Snyder was trying to do. And this is definitely going to be more of an HBO type thing than anything else. But unfortunately, that is about all the time that we have today, guys. Uh, Kevin, uh, thank you for joining the team. We look forward to having you on in the future and to see what it is that you bring uh, to our ancillary content over at CheckpointXP.com. Ben, as always, it's been a pleasure having you here. And guys, we'll be back next week. Same other identity time, same other identity channel. (laughs) 